Uh, we're doing, a, as you know, a series in uh, discipleship for the whole year. Um, and this, this week is about witness, uh, and it's witnessing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some verses um, from Matthew 5, uh, but this is not a practical guide on how to witness. Uh, this is, uh, you can look that up if you want. Uh, there are many places on the internet you can look up about how to witness and the practical guide. This is where does witness come from? Where does that drive to want to tell people about Jesus? Uh, where does it come from? Uh, and how do we recognize it? Uh, and what's our, what's our part in playing in witness? Uh, because whilst God does all the work, all the changing, uh, he has charged us as disciples to go and make disciples. He has told us, commanded us as Christians, as we accepted him as Jesus Christ, Lord of our lives, he has commanded us to go and tell people all about him. And so rather than give you practical tips, I thought we'd sort of dig a bit deeper into the area of service, how we serve one another, how we do outreach, and how that works with witnessing, and some really hopefully helpful um, points uh, for you this morning to, to go away with. Uh, so let's read the verses this morning. Matthew 5, um, and it's, I've, it's Matthew 5, 1 to, gone too far, 1 to 16, yes, thank you. <laughs> it says up there, Matthew 5, 1 to 16. Um, okay, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill, cannot, uh, hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. So uh, what we're talking about today is um, the command to witness. Um, and as I said, we're going to look at how... Um, what that desire is, what is it that they actually desire uh, that the Holy Spirit puts within us to go and witness to people around us? What does it look like? How do we identify uh, as a witness to God and not to ourselves? There are warnings within this message about how we try and maybe sometimes to glorify ourselves in witnessing. Uh, and here is, uh, I'll give you some healthy warnings, but uh, the message today is really about what is witness? What does it really mean? Uh, and as I said, there can be a whole hundred and plus sermons on how we can practically do it. Uh, but actually, we're looking at what, what is the Holy Spirit put within us to go and witness to people? What is it uh, that God has done uh, in us? 
And so we're speaking about this in the context of service, deeds and testimony. Uh, that's to God, for God and about God. And we as Christians are bringing attention to the light that is God and salvation. Our core command, the thing that we do, is to bring light to God and his salvation. That's, that's the core of it. We can get away from the practicality, with the practicalities, but actually what it really comes down to is that it's God's salvation for his people. In other words, we're witnessing to others what God has done in our lives. Uh, and there's, there is a worksheet you can uh, take away with you. There was another piece to that, which was uh, your testimony. Uh, and maybe, I don't need to give you a page for that, maybe you can write it down. And maybe one day or at uh, some point you can share that in here and you can share it uh, with people outside. Uh, but uh, the message really today is that we, we do get caught up uh, in, in arguments about Jesus and about God in this world and people are trying to pull us away from that, but actually what we're here to do is, is speak of that hope that we have in Jesus, that we each have. And so I want to touch on that today. And the typical way uh, when we look at um, witnessing, the typical way churches do this uh, is through serving. We do it through outreach, through groups, through events, and through general invitation to church on Sunday. Now that's generally the model that churches follow. And this is all well-intentioned. It's all perfectly good stuff. When we use these tools as a means to witness and share the gospel and be the gospel and live the gospel, uh, they're just tools by which we witness of our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. But when these uh, forms of outreach actually happen, we might sometimes lose sight of the reason we did them in the first place. Uh, setting up outreach and things can become very complicated uh, and very demanding on our time. And actually, if we're not careful we end up having the event as the thing we worship, the thing that we really focus on, and instead of the output of what that event or outreach should do. And actually, as in our verses, uh, it should lead to people glorifying God uh, and not us, and not even the outreach that we do. Uh, there is no credit to be taken by us in anything we do. Uh, our treasure is in heaven, not on earth. If it hasn't happened to you yet, uh, where you might have been part of an outreach or part of a group uh, or a part of anything that, that tries to, to witness to people, uh, and, and you haven't experienced that sense of getting too tied up with the event, let me warn you that it will happen. It does happen. Uh, we are human beings, are full of flaws, and we get a bit obsessed about things that we like to do. And sometimes we get dragged into the whole, the admin and the structure of things, uh, and actually, if it hasn't happened, just be open to it and be aware that it could happen. Uh, just because if that does, it loses the power of the outreach of why we do things in the first place. Uh, church is not a social service. It's not something we do like government or anything. We do this because we're glorifying God in heaven. We're trying to tell people about Jesus. And as we've been praying about this morning, churches in this borough, and actually in other boroughs as well, have been uh, running a, a winter shelter for homeless people who have come. And from this year, I think, is even more. Uh, we have much more success in, in housing people, potentially, uh, and, and less people have gone away without homes, as far as I understand, potentially. Uh, there's a long process that people have to go through. Uh, but this is all good stuff. There's nothing wrong with what we do here. We're trying to do this so people understand not how good we are at doing it, 
but because we do, it's because we're driven by Jesus to do these things. And this serves as a great example of how we as Christians are focused differently uh, in doing uh, and the outcome of good deeds. And in similar projects in many uh, other boroughs that do the same thing, and I think I believe in, in Bexley as well, there are non-Christians and Christians that work together side by side uh, doing good deeds, good stuff uh, to serve people uh, who are desperate and lonely and, and have no one else to turn to. And it's not wrong, and it's great, and it's fantastic. But there is a difference between the two. There's a difference between those Christians that serve in those things and non-Christians that serve in those things. They're both good deeds. And at least once a week on the news, you will probably see a good deed on the news. You'll probably see some, what is a light-hearted story, and my goodness, do we need it at the moment, don't we? With all the news being filled with such heavy, heavy, sometimes depressing things going on in the news, uh, don't we need those light-hearted stories to come? Uh, but you will see uh, that there'll be some good deed mentioned. Uh, and actually, many times, uh, food banks are mentioned on the news a lot. Uh, but one thing, again, is uh, just from my personal point of view, it, it, does, uh, it does make me, I won't say, I, I'm going to say annoyed, because there's churches doing this, doing these food banks for Jesus. They're doing it because they want to serve people. Uh, and what we see in the news sometimes is that's stripped away and stripped aside. And instead we see a very practical food bank, a system, a thing that's set up to help people. Uh, and actually what we don't learn about is the heart behind what people are doing there. Again, they're a mixture of Christians and non-Christians doing that. So it's all good deeds, all good things that are helping people. But the goal of good deeds for Christians is not the material well-being of the people on the receiving end. That's not the goal for Christians. The material well-being is not the end of the show. It's not the end of that time. The goal that the good deed begins to or continues to show that in meeting their material needs... Let me say this again. The goal for Christians in serving in these outreaches and these events is that ultimately they will see Jesus Christ through what we do. I want to bring your attention to this last verse. And you may know this already, but it's very easy to misread this last verse. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay. You might know this. It's not saying you glorify your Father in heaven. Not you. Not people that are doing the deed glorify your Father in heaven. The outcome is that the person you are doing the good deed for may glorify the, fa the Father in heaven because they see your good deed is not fueled by self-satisfaction or selfish desire or selfish praise, but because they can see something different about you, that you are more... That that you are more inclined, more that you're above that kind of, I want to feel good about serving. I want to feel good about making people feel better. And what this verse is saying in this last verse here is saying this bypasses us and goes straight to the glory of the Father. And if you think about that, you think about how we just operate in the world from day to day. If you go to work, if you do anything of serving others in any context, it can sometimes be difficult, depending on the day and how you're feeling, that you might not get credit for something. 
that you won't be noticed for doing something. And yet, in the good deeds that the Bible talks of, is that you don't need to worry about the credit you'll get, because there is greater treasure in heaven waiting for you. The goal of good deeds for Christians is to point people to Jesus. We as witnesses are a conduit by which people who are yet to know God will know him. When people point, point their praise and their credit and their adoration even towards us, we point them back to Jesus every single time. There is an opportunity to glorify the Father. There is an opportunity to witness to the hope that we each have in Jesus. And in reading the Beatitudes, Jesus is teaching his disciples about this reward of the kingdom in comparison to what they seek or need. Jesus does not answer each request with a worldly solution. He answers it with a kingdom solution every single time. A reward that is far greater than what this world can offer. So to keep us on track and to always ensure we always have the right kingdom mindset, we're warned about the dangers of doing anything that uses God's glory to glorify ourselves. Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. These are not contradictory verses. Uh, when it speaks of so they may see your good deeds, it is, it is speaking of this idea, this principle, that we are not getting the praise for what God has done. When Matthew 1 speaks of not practicing your righteousness so that it's seen by people, we see two things. And from the Greek meaning, the righteousness this speaks of is the righteousness of which God is the source or the author. The definition in Greek, one of them at least, is that the good deeds of what we do is, is from the Father, not from us. We point people back to the Father. And it goes on to say to be seen by them. And this is the state where we do not use godly righteousness we've received freely from Jesus so that it is perceived by others to be ours. And in fact, uh, the term to be seen, I don't have a sound, I'm, I'm going to say this word this week. I'm not gonna, I'm, I haven't got a sound to play, so I'm going to say it. Uh, but I've been practicing it. Uh, it's, it's theamai. So that, that word there, theamai, to be seen, uh, properly gazed upon. When you look at the context of the original uh, Greek, this is powerful. Uh, properly understated, actually, in the NIV at least. Slightly understated to be seen. But to properly gaze on, contemplate as a spectator, to observe intently, especially to interpret something, grasp its significance, to see, concentrate on, so as to significantly impact, influence the viewer. To be seen drastically understates this meaning. In fact, if it said perceive, instead to be seen, I believe it would be more powerful. For people to perceive uh, incorrectly that you are uh, somehow the great person who's come to their rescue, that you're the person that's done the great deed, all on your own, under your own strength. 
suddenly that verse is very much more powerful in my view. Whoa, hold on a minute. Jesus is saying, if, you, if they perceive you to be the person that's done this, you'll not have a place here. And this understanding should not be foreign to us. For when, when we all accepted Jesus Christ as our saviour, what did we do? We ended up gazing upon and being influenced by Jesus. So we come back to the core of why we witness so that people will gaze, admire, contemplate, concentrate on Jesus. We had people who helped us along that journey, who helped us to understand who God is and to come to a faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ, but they're not the people that have saved us. God has used people for his plan, for his salvation, to bring about Salvation, he does the work and uses us to spread his gospel, to share it with nations. That gaze and spectacle and influence should be the way of God's righteousness that shines through us so that people look to God. And this is the very core uh, of, of principle of witnessing. Above all the good techniques, above all else, it should come from a place of authenticity. A genuine desire to see people know the Lord. Um, most of you will probably know, because it's been around for a while, uh, the company Levi. Levi Strauss is his full name. Um, and you know, there are, there are many pictures and videos on the internet of how to tell what is a genuine, authentic pair of 501 Levi's. Uh, and apparently it's something to do with this 501 in the corner. Uh, I haven't watched anything. It's not really worth my time in that sense. But... Um, they stamp on it and they say, this is genuine. If you get others that don't look like this, it's not real, it's not authentic, it's not a pair of Levi jeans. And in the same way, uh, today we have uh, the £10 note uh, that was redesigned in that horrible plasticky material that is just completely unusable. Um, and yet, all the security features of that £10 note tells you it's genuine and authentic. It tells you it is currency. It tells you it's a promise to pay. <laughs> and so we're now able to far easier distinguish between real and fake currency. Our authenticity, authenticity, that word again, our authenticity in Jesus is shown by the testimony we give and the life people see, which is our witness. We are called to know and understand the reason we have, a, we have a hope in Jesus. Our testimony describes our personal relationship with God. It doesn't have to be a set story. It doesn't have to be a written down, rigid structure of a story. Because if we're just ready to know, we know how we all came to Jesus but are we ready just to share with that? Because, you know, within that, it's just this emotional sort of roller coaster of a ride almost. This kind of journey as we get to know who Jesus is and come to a knowledge of him. And every time we tell people, there will be differences in the story. That's just what happens. But it won't go away from the core of the story, which is that I recognize that Jesus is my saviour and he has changed my life. 
That is the core of a testimony. That is what happens. One Peter three fifteen says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect." This verse has a direct correlation to our verses in Matthew five, uh, particularly verse eleven, um, where it's also about persecution and suffering. Now, the context is still the same. It's still about persecution and suffering. We do it because of our genuine, authentic faith in Jesus, not because of how much we are at doing good things. Whenever we hear uh, things on the news, um, or even if you've, you've been to uh, an event or something that's happened, you're often get, you will often get people giving you a witness statement, as it were, not a police witness statement, but some witness statement of what happened. And they will uh, describe to you what went on and how it, how it all happened and it will be exciting and, and whatever, or, or sad or whatever the story is. But I then wonder, thinking about this, what's the difference between a, an account between someone who saw someone else do something and someone who actually experienced it themselves? And I said to you, on, uh, I said earlier, when we, we look at food banks, we see those on the news. We're getting like a third-party account of actually what they're really doing. They're getting a, a different, an interpretation, uh, not a direct account of maybe the work that those people are doing, uh, certainly for the kingdom and for Jesus. But the difference between somewhere, someone describing an event through a third party and someone describing a direct witness account is massively different in terms of the emotion, passion, and description. How can you describe someone else's testimony who's come to Jesus with the same amount of passion and emotion and drive and conviction? It doesn't work. But this is the paradox of the Christian faith. In any normal circumstances, only the Bible text and historical accounts and the people in the Bible of the time would be a genuine approved witness statement. Uh, only the book itself would be enough. Uh, we could ourselves would not be a credible witness in the normal worldly things, normal way of working. Uh, police generally ask people if there's a, some, a crime that's gone on, the people are actually involved in the event, not someone's opinion on what they thought happened. But here is the paradox in, in the Christian faith. To be a witness of Christ We've been given an amazing gift of God's Word, Jesus Himself, and the Holy Spirit here today. When we are being witnesses to Christ's work in transforming us, we're speaking of directly witnessing Jesus change our lives. It's not through a third party account, it's not through someone else's version. When Jesus changed our lives, it is through the Holy Spirit that He's doing that. We are changed, and therefore our witness is a direct witness of that life-changing moment. We testify to it. We testify to the work that's been done in our lives by Jesus. We testify to the truth that has been written about him in his word. We testify to the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent after his ascension to the Father. Here's what I'm trying to get at. 
compassion, the difference between someone speaking, why don't you pick up this Bible and, and just read this, with, with no real direct correlation, my, I don't have any relationship with the Bible, no word, it won't, in my view, have any personal connection with that other person. They can pick up, and I don't, I don't uh, disagree with you, that people can pick up verses and see God in them and they can be changed. But we're talking about witnessing specifically here. That as people, we must have a genuine, authentic connection with the very word that we have come to believe in. It must be authentic because people will spot that inauthentic behavior straight away. Uh, last week, uh, I told you about the uh, verse in Acts where the brothers were going around and they were um, praying over people to release the evil spirits from them. And actually these people, these brothers uh, of the priest, actually they weren't really rooted in Jesus. They weren't really rooted in him at all and using it to show off. goes back to our verse uh, about how we do good deeds. And actually what happened was the spirit comes out, the evil spirit comes out and attacks the people that claim to be using Jesus' name for Jesus. And he identifies them straight away and says, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but I don't know you. Now I'm not saying that this is going to happen to us. You pray over uh, releasing evil spirits or whatever. Here's what I'm saying. That example is where People will know if we are not authentically rooted in the gospel. They will know at some point in that relationship that we develop with them that we are not being genuine, that we are not authentic if we are not rooted in the word of God. They will know. And God may even use them to expose our inauthenticness. When we confess Jesus on our lives, we are saying that we are uh, witnesses to the power of the cross through the Holy Spirit who enables us to be witnesses today of God's life-changing power. So when we witness, we must always be confident in Christ through the Holy Spirit and his word. The thing that we said, that those words that we said, whatever those words were to Jesus saying, I give my life to you, that must carry on through every piece of witnessing that we do. I'm rooted so much in the Word that I will not get distracted by people telling me things. We prayed this morning, people telling me things, trying to say, Jesus is not real, it's not true, God is not real. I will continue to witness because they're not persecuting me or you. They're persecuting Jesus. And he has already taken the punishment for that. And so we are free to go and share the Gospel. And if you die doing it, as many of our brothers and sisters have across the world, our treasure awaits us in heaven. Our world is not this world. Our world is the kingdom. And so when we become Christians, it's not a thing that happens to us once and forgotten. It leaves a mark on our lives. And when we witness to people, people should know that mark. People should know that scar almost that's been exposed by Jesus. That he's revealed the hurt that we had, the brokenness that we have. People should know that there's a mark has been left on our lives. So much so that we cannot go back or be anything different. So 
So as repentant, confessing, believing Christians, we've been stamped with the authenticity of the righteousness of God. When we profess Jesus Christ, get this for a minute, I know we're going back 101, beginning of when we became Christian, but it's really important to know. When we said, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, I repent of all my sin, he stamped us with authenticity. He said, you are my disciple. Now go and tell everyone about me. We've been stamped with the authenticity of righteousness of God through Jesus Christ who died and rose again for all sins, for all time and for our salvation. We can always get tied up in the doing of witnessing, in the structure of witnessing. But I, I believe that witnessing really happens in the one-to-one personal relationships, in the moments that you're not really aware of in the moments that we're not really focusing on, when somebody watches you and knows you're a Christian, and I'm not saying that we should fake it and always try to be and pretend to be all good and holy people, we're not. But we need to be real that we are broken people saved by an awesome God. And that's what people will see. We strip away all the event, all the outreach. What it comes back to is the salvation of God my testimony, my witness statement of how my life was changed directly by God will have an effect on someone else. Not because of me, but because of God. That's an awesome message, isn't it? To know that Jesus comes and uses us in our testimony to bring people to him. That's powerful. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, I'm going to speak the blessing over the church. <clears throat> We're going to continue invited afterwards to stay with us. Uh, we're going to continue to worship. We need a few minutes just to set that up. Uh, but we're going to continue to worship after the service as well. And that's just a time of prayer. We just sit and we just pray whatever God's got in our hearts and we just spend some more time with him. Uh, so you're welcome to, to stay if you want. You're welcome to leave if you want. Uh, the doors uh, won't be locked. You'll be able to leave. <laughs> uh, let, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that we can understand that to witness about you is not a hardship, it's not a struggle, it's not something to be fearful of. Because, Father, we know whatever happens to us, we are going to the Father. That as believers, genuine, authentic in our faith, that we believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that we will see the Father in heaven, we will be worshipping with you. And so, Father, we pray that we will, be ha- we will have the, the urgency, the desire to want for people to know more about you, who you are, and to come to a knowledge so that they may be saved. And, Father, we thank you for this time of grace where people may approach you openly, freely, to come and repent, and they will be forgiven like just as we were forgiven. That we are not here to lord it over people, but in fact share the Lord himself. Father, we thank you for a, an honour, uh, 
and just the fact that we're allowed to go and speak your word and use your name for the glory of the kingdom, that you have charged us to speak the words of Jesus Christ, to speak in his name, and powerful things will happen. So, Father, we pray that we'll be bold, growing confidence, that we can share the gospel with others, Christian and non-Christian, believers and non-believers. That, Father, we have the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and we thank you uh, that you, your word, is on our hearts. We thank you for the living word. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. And what we do is we normally uh, say this together uh, just to bless one another uh, and have a great week. And I hope you have a challenging week. Um, Don't get cheesy about these things. Have a challenging week this week, okay? Have a challenging week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.